Hello, homies. Today on Homegrown Horror, we are going to talk about not bothering Satan with your bullshit. We're going to talk about ice. We somehow come back to hiking. And also, I'm going to tell you a really terrible story about the death of a four-year-old girl in Auburn. All of this and more up next on Homegrown Horror. Hello, Hell Helpline. Thank you for waiting. You're caller number 666th in today's queue. How can I help you this evening? Thank God I finally got a real person. Okay, so... Okay, please hold. Oh my God. Okay, we're back with you. Hi. Um, I'm calling because I don't think I'm supposed to be here. There is something seriously wrong. Oh, well, 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 what's the problem here? I, uh, hold on, let me get your record here. Let me pull it up for you. Thank uh, you. What's your name? Uh, B. B, just B? Okay. All right, there's a lot of Bs, so give me a second here. Okay, I think I got your file here. What can I help you with? Yeah, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. Well, I don't know about that. It says here you've got a podcast. And uh, looks like you also had a relation with a woman in your uh, lifetime. So that Wait, ch- are we serious? You're serious? Yeah. Wait, hold on. Having a podcast puts you in hell? Anyway. Absolutely. Okay, okay, cool. Good to know I'm not the only one here then. Um, so... Yeah, your I... partner's here too. Oh, good. Um, he deserves that. But, um, so... Uh, this is just, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> um, is there any way that I could, uh, you know, put a word in to talk with the big guy, maybe? The big, oh, you mean Lord Satan. Is that who you're referring to, the management? Yes, I am. Yes, thank you. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Satan is very busy, as you'd imagine, with, you know, with the eternal punishment of all sinners and, uh... Okay, but, uh, so I don't think I'm supposed to have that eternal punishment thing. It's very wrong. Uh, no, uh, according to our standards, uh, you, you know, you checked your boxes and, uh, you're actually in the specific punishment that is, uh, deserving of your human crimes that you've committed. My human crimes that I've committed. Okay. But, uh, just to let you know, Lord Satan is too busy to hear your complaint Let me right talk now. to Satan. I've never no. been a Karen, but I guess I want it. Hell. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Ever since Epstein has arrived, he's been very busy. He has over a thousand soul contracts to approve, and around 4 p.m. he has his daily personal torture of Hitler, where he denies his application to art school. He never misses it. Okay. Uh, what would get me an appointment with uh, Mr. Satan? Well, if you go ahead and uh, file complaint, we can. Uh, I can send you a form to fill out through fax. It'll take a while to get there. Everything runs on DSL, as you know. Yeah. Uh, so, um, what if I say that my punishment is not good enough? Yeah, let's, not let's good go with enough. That. Yeah. What Not good enough? What are you talking about? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, everything's got to be up to standard. So what's the what's the deal? Are the pitchforks not sharp enough? Are they too dull? Or is the everlasting fire pit we throw you and not searing your mortal flesh to an even crisp? You know what? I'm not crispy enough. You're not crispy enough. Okay. Well, then we're going to have to send down the chief inspector, Asmodeus, to go ahead and look over your turn of punishment. And uh, we might have to resharpen a couple pitchforks. That might be a, give you a little brief reprieve. But don't worry. We're going to throw you into a timeshare seminar in the meantime while we get everything patched up for you. <laughs> Welcome to Homegrown Horror. I am Jackson, co-host of Homegrown Horror. I am B, co-host of Homegrown Horror. We're here, and yeah. Yeah, we're here. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, 
lots been happening this week. Finally moved into my new place. Yeah! So excited. The cat loves it. He was. He has actually really warmed up to the location. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, seriously. Uh, he was screaming the first night I was there, just all night, because he was upset. New location. New locale. Boxes everywhere. Wasn't sure how to feel about anything. But uh, now that we got more stuff put together and he's got a nice view out the front window, he's really warming I'm up to so it. I'm so glad. I know Emily had texted me and was like, he screamed all night. And I was like, poor baby. Yeah, I felt so bad for him. But also, I needed to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so all things are good in new apartment land. All things are good. I only have like a bunch of bruises on me <laughs> from moving all the stuff and like shoving a couch up like I a was flight gonna of say, stairs. That was the one thing I know that you were the most worried about was getting that couch up the stairs. It's just like it's was such a narrow little stairwell that I was so worried about it. Emily actually ended up kicking the door stopper out of the wall so that we could get the, like, <laughs> oh, the no! little like half inch extra bit of space to clear the door oh my god sometimes like, you just gotta you just gotta like we had to get this couch inside and oh boy yeah so everything's in apartments looking better and, and better congratulations yeah emily's done an awesome job with the space too so yeah I know she drew like drew it out and was like has been planning for like weeks. Yeah, she's very excited. We'll probably end up getting some more furniture tomorrow. But yeah, I'm loving it, man. Yay! I'm so glad. How's it over here? It's good. It's quiet. It's weird. <laughs> it's weirdly quiet after four people quiet. and a cat living in the same spot. A, a place yeah. For a while. So I Allegra went to work, so I was the only one here while I was you know work because I'm working from home. So I was the only one here, so I left my office door open, and Allegra just put jazz music on in the living room, so I felt less alone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what you do with your dogs when you're going to be gone for a long time. Yeah, did she also, like, turn on the television to, like, pictures of bugs or something? <laughs> Maybe other other people working from home? <laughs> oh my god but yeah it could just the apartment is so quiet when it's just me i'm in this back room yeah which is my office and the rest of the house is just dead quiet i'm just like i hate it no it's got to be eerie as hell <laughs> I, I really want to get a cat there's a really cute cat um at the portland animal refuge like right now it's a little black cat named wonder and allegra and i are kind of in love with her oh we're technically not allowed to have animals so <laughs> so no cat so, for you yeah this is this is the life i lead unfortunately is a cat. always I wanting to cat catless cat never be able to furry friendless i'm like well her allegra's parents aren't fans of like fluffy thing so what if i got like a snake <laughs> well yeah you could get a snake i thought about it would allegra be into the snake though um no maybe depends on the type of snake i'm just thinking like they have the the really tiny babies like the little little baby snakes they're little babies and they have the little boop boop nose and i love them like a gardener snake or something no I don't know what kind they are. They, you, you see them a lot on TikTok and on Instagram, but they're just like these cute little babies and they have a boop, 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 boop. They're very cute. Uh, I like snakes. I think I've said it before. My room has a big snake big rug. Old, big old rug with a giant snake on it. Yes, I am a snake person. This is like the common area of Slytherin house. I, yes, I am also a Slytherin. Yeah, there you go. I'm a Slytherin, too. Oh, really? Yeah, I took hey. that test. Yeah, I'm a Slytherin. Allegra's a Hufflepuff. What's Emily? Uh, mm, Ravenclaw, I think. Okay, yeah. I see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. So, yeah, things are very <laughs> quiet here. Um, Allegra and I have just been kind of... Probably not bad, though. I honestly... No, it's not bad. I was by myself for a little bit this week, and I was just kind of like, yep, okay. Yeah. I, I dig the alone time yeah just yeah yeah so it's been nice allegra and i've just been catching up on bake off and oh yeah 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 just enjoying our time because i mean we just got married so now we get to enjoy get to... alone time as a couple as a married couple which is nice essential yes as a married couple essential so <laughs> yes quiet but i think i think i like it 
I just yeah. have to... We, I mean, our house is still a little bit in a disarray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're not fully back to normal yet, so I think we're going to take some time this weekend to clean and get that stuff sorted. For sure. But also just kind of sitting in the silence <laughs> is nice. I getcha. I getcha. It is nice. So there, there's a story behind the reason why I picked my topic for today. So we got a recommendation from the main murderinos and I was looking into that and uh, that's going to require a little bit more time for me to look into because there's a book that this murderino's mom wrote and I really want to read it before I do the case. Okay. So I have to go because it was published, it was like self-published in 1997 and so it's very impossible to get, but USM has a copy of it. Oh, nice. And I am a USM alumni, and so I'm like, got a, and Allegra works at USM part-time, so I'm like, okay, so she's on the staff, we're both alumni, just gotta figure out how to get in there and get that book in my hot little hands. But, while I was looking this up... Just hang out by the door. Yeah, just, whoops, just, in. Just slide in there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, the reason why I found this case is because the titular or the, the character, character, quote-unquote, the perpetrator of these two crimes have the same name. Ooh. Which is John Lane. Okay. You just happened to find this I story. happened upon this mm-hmm. because these two men committed heinous crimes and they have the same name. Ooh, okay. I'm excited. So what, you think John Lane is a cursed name? Yeah, don't, you're if your last name is murder. Lane, don't name your son John. It's too... Because also, I did try and find the court documents. Do you know how many John Lane versus the states there are on the case file search? Yeah. There's uh, a lot. <laughs> also, a little known fact about those named John Lane, insanely litigious as well. Yeah, we're about, there's some, there is some uh, litigation in this. Yeah. So, fun times. <laughs> In June of 2015, a 35-page document makes its way to the Maine Judicial Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Its author is 66-year-old John Lane, who was convicted in 1987. And oh, Actually, it was 1985, I think. Okay. You know what? I'm not sure, because the trial was in 1985. He may have been convicted. In, you know how long these things take. In any event. No, I mean, this is, uh, I think this is telling of the quality research we put into every episode. Oh, rude. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Anyway. I'm the other person <laughs> on this podcast. I'm thinking, I'm uh, speaking of myself as well. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. In any event, he has been in the main correctional center in Wyndham ever since his conviction. In this missive, Lane claims he is not criminally responsible for his actions, that he had ineffective counsel during his initial bench trial, that key pieces of evidence that could have supported his claim to being unfit to stand trial were not presented, and that he was unable to file an appeal sooner because he was too mentally ill. The court made a motion to dismiss Lane's appeal, but the state district Court Magistrate John C. Nivison rejected that decision, stating that Lane produced sufficient evidence to back his claims and recommended he be given a new trial. Lane's former neighbors are shocked. The man that lived downstairs from Lane, the apartment where the crime was committed, told ABC, I definitely don't want to see him get out. What he did was pretty horrific. I don't think he deserves to get out. I mean, he deserves to stay in there the rest of his life for what he did. Ooh, he must have done a real bad, bad thing to have his neighbor say that. Oh, yeah. Back at the time of the crime, John Lane lived in Auburn with his girlfriend Cynthia Palmer and her two little girls, Angela and Sarah. Their apartment was in a small six-unit building, which was built in 1920. It's about 2.4 miles from Bates College in Auburn's Twin City, Lewiston. Mm, I've heard of it. This building is much softer looking now, with a pastel green coat of paint covering the once mustard yellow finish. And I have a picture of it for you. you. So this is what it used to look like. Okay, okay. And this is what it looks like now. I think I've seen this building. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it definitely, you see what I mean by it, say it's, it's a lot softer now. It's a lot softer now. The, like, 
puke yellow is a terrible color. Yeah. You want to go mustard, it's just going to turn into a nasty mush over time. Yeah, definitely. It's not not good. But this sort of softer, new, it's more friendly and trying to invite people in to come live at this house. Ignore the crimes committed (laughs) within. This is a wonderful place to stay. It hardly betrays the horror that was committed inside of this building. (laughs) On October 27th... Well, with the design, I mean, it's already horrific. I know, right? (laughs) It's not great. October 27th, 1984. Firefighters responded to the report of smoke at 317 Main Street, which led them to Lane's unit. They attempted knocking, but there was no response from either John or Cynthia. With no other options, they break down the door. What they find is John, Cynthia, and Sarah standing in the living room, and four-year-old Angela is dead in the oven. Whoa! She had been placed in the appliance, and a chair had been wedged under the door to prevent her escape. Oh my god. This is a murder scene. Very much so. Very much a murder scene. I doubt she put uh, put herself in there. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to point out that Sarah is five. So Sarah's five, Angela's four. Oh my God. They're living with their mom and John is, is her live-in boyfriend. That's awful. Poor does, Sarah. And Angela. It doesn't get better. Um, according to Elliot Epstein, who is an attorney from Auburn who wrote a book about the case called Lucifer's Child, almost every first responder within a year or two went out on some kind of disability or resigned. In fact, one of the policemen was so disturbed that he attempted suicide. So there's no question that witnessing this kind of thing has a profound inf- effect on the psyche of the people who were involved. Oh, man. What was witnessed by the first responders that day was only a fraction of the horror story of Angela's death. It was determined that John had drugged Cynthia, the mom. Okay, yeah. Leaving her in a comatose state while he beat Angela. Oh my god. He believed that Angela was possessed by Lucifer. And it's it's interesting because some, peop- some sources say that it was Lucifer, some say a demon, and then some are oddly specific and say that he believed that she was a green, slimy, scaly monster that was going to kill them all. A lizard person? Yes, question mark. It's very strange. I, I, that's why I'm just kind of going with Lucifer because some other details come out that sort of support that a little bit more. I mean... Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to evoke any term of lizard people that attracts the wrong kind. Of <laughs> exactly. This isn't your podcast, lizard folks. No. So he thinks he thinks that she's possessed, mm-hmm. and he places her in the oven as an act of exorcism. Yeah, because you know that makes sense. I don't know. Sweat it out, I guess. I don't know. The it's oven all, is also it's, my father's house. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking awful. He had turned the heat on as high as it would go, and some of the neighbors reported hearing Angela's cries, Daddy let me out. Oh my god. So, there's also some notes that there was like the smell of burning hair, Ugh. which I, I am going to say is probably true because burning hair and burning flesh have a very specific scent, and it's fucking awful. And the only reason I know what that smells like is because... Allegra once went to get, like, scar removal, and they basically, like, burn the scars off of your face. Mm. It's it's a horrific smell. Yeah, I bet. It's horrific. I obviously did not read the book, uh, which it details the murder, and it's very painfully graphic, mm. is what I have found. But the Daily Mail claims, and this is, I'm putting an asterisk here, because some that's where they had said the lizard thing. <laughs> so I'm not 100% sure. I'm assuming that they Daily got, Mail co- talked about the lizard thing? Yeah, the green slime. It's a yeah. green and purple slimy monster. Yeah, leave um, it up to the Daily Mail to yeah, do that. <laughs> right? So asterisk here, because they are the ones that are saying this is where these kind of details come from, but... 
I'm assuming they got it from the book, but I cannot say for sure that that's where they got them from because I did not double check. (laughs) But this is what the Daily Mail claims. That that Lane had drawn crucifixes on the walls, blared religious music, and had a Bible in his possession when the first responders arrived. According to this article, he claimed, It's all right. Lucifer is gone. Angela is okay. And that's where we get, but that is also where we get the title of the book that Elliot writes, which is Lucifer's Child. Mm -hmm. Both John and Cynthia were taken into custody for Angela's murder. The response to the crime was unspeakable. Rachel Morin of the Twin City Times recalls, Angry calls from outraged public deluged the dispatcher's office in the Androscoggin County Jail the Auburn Police Department, and the editor's desks at all the local newspapers. Calls came in from across the nation as far away as from New Zealand. One caller claiming to be a New York mob boss, John Giotti, declared that he would deal with Lane. My family will take care of him. Well, did he? No. (laughs) Uh, Point blank, he did not. But they are receiving a lot of threats. Yeah. To... Uh, John's life, you know, because what he did is fucking horrendous. I'd like to imagine that a news uh, radio, just a radio station, like a morning zoo radio station, just called John. He's like, hey, John, what do you think of this? Hey, I'm going to beat him with the bag of nickels. Did you say a nickels? Bag of nickels. Oh, bag of, I thought you said a bat and nickels. A bat and nickels. Bat and a roll of nickels. (laughs) (laughs) But I, woof. It's interesting to me because the last one, the last case that I covered also ended up being worldwide news. It's so interesting because Maine is such a little blip on the map for a lot of people. But then we have these insane crimes that happen. Yeah. And just there it is. <laughs> Especially since this is in the 80s. Mm, mm-hmm. Like news is not, I don't. I, I think this is around probably the time. When did like. The 24 hours news circuit started like becoming more popular. Was oh, it the a, 80s? That's a great question. Because that would explain why like this gets so much traction because that it is actually, horrific. That actually makes a lot of sense. Because Let's be honest, this isn't probably not the first time someone put, a man, put anybody in an oven. Or oh, whatever. probably not. Yeah. So like. But it's a four-year-old. Yeah. It's in a s- small-ish town in Maine. Sorry, people who live in Lewiston, Auburn. It's small compared to a lot of other cities. It's very... <laughs> no offense. It's generous to call that a city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had that conversation here. Is like, like, is Portland a city or is it a metropolitan area? But, yeah, it is... It's very... I think you're right about the 24-hour news cycle probably starting at this time. And I, that's sort of why it gets... I would think that that was... Probably it because I mean, why would anybody from New Zealand call in about this? This is just a story that's getting traction. Horrific as it is, yeah, it's attention grabbing. Exactly. And that's sort of how I felt about the New Sweden coffee poisonings as well. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it's like yes, that, it's horrific, also... but it's not like technically at the time that it happened, only one person died. Mm-hmm. And then the perpetrator took his own life. So technically you have two victims there. But it's not the same as, say, Jonestown, where hundreds of people are forcibly poisoned. Yeah. So it, that it's, it is interesting the way that people react to specific crimes. Mm-hmm. This one is probably because a child is involved. Yes, and the nature of how horrific this is. If it's, this was a person strangling their child, I'm, I don't want to go I, into no, all the I murders, know what you, but, yeah, but I understand what you're saying. The 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 method of murder the de- is is it horrible? It's horrible and torturous. Yes, yeah. It's inexplicably cruel. It is in this way cruel, and yeah, I mean, I I would believe that this guy is insane for even coming up with this method to kill their daughter. And Mm -hmm. yeah, clearly something is off. Yeah. And I am not sure if he is the father of the two children. That I do not know. Okay. I just know that they describe him as the live-in boyfriend. So I'm assuming he is not, but he is their father figure. Mm -hmm. So we're getting threats. 
So Lane was isolated in his jail for his safety, and those around both he and Cynthia were targets of public rage, including their attorneys. Which is something that I don't... It, Why well, you gotta always come at the lawyers, you know? That's because... Just, it's just their job at this point. I know, point. it's their job, and that's the frustrating part, is because everybody is entitled to, to legal counsel. Yeah. But then we want to attack those who do it they're like how could you I'm like somebody has to yeah it's like if they are if they are allowed to have legal counsel <laughs> somebody has to do it like if you're a public defender you don't have a choice Absolutely. at all it's like you show up and it's like okay i'm assigned to the worst person on the planet now. yep so and it you see a lot of these attorneys they're often portrayed as like sleazebags specifically in like tv shows mm. but it's literally like it's their job. <laughs> and that's the way that we've built the system. And it's not glamorous. So. It's not. <laughs> Being it's a public defender awful. sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Yeah, take... Pull all the public defenders in the state of Maine and all of them will probably say that 50% or higher of the time, they hate their job. <laughs> it's like, I hate this. I wish I could just file divorces. <laughs> that's also awful, but, you yeah. know... Is law fun? No. The people who do it, God bless them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not all of them. Not all of them, but not dear God, them. I can't, I do, I do, like, if this is coming from somebody, like, Allegra's whole family is, like, lawyers, and I'm just like, bruh, <laughs> that's a fuck, that's a fucking lot of stuff that I don't even want to touch. Yeah, no, it's uh, a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. The trial was held in Bangor in 1985, where John was convicted of murder. Cynthia was acquitted because she had been forcibly drugged prior to the killing. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what people's opinion of her was. Of Cynthia? I mean, she was drugged. And that's probably for the best because people probably were blaming her for a lot of it. I'm sure that they were. And I have no idea of the situation, but like, I'm sure that there, this was not... The only time that he had lashed out at Angela. I don't believe so either. Uh, I was reading an article, the article from the Twin City Times, and it was talking about how the book covers, it covers child abuse, but it also covers battered woman syndrome. And I know Mm. we've talked about it on the the, uh, Virginia Sioux episode, where you're not going to leave the first... Typically, women who are being abused do not leave the first time. Mm-hmm. They don't leave the second time. It's usually after the fourth time. And each time, they're... Each time they try to leave, their probability of being harmed, murdered, goes up significantly. Mm-hmm. And especially when you have two children in the mix... I really don't think this is the first time that something happened, especially since he, you know, they know that he he beat Angela as well. Yeah. Before doing this, this is an escalation in my mind. This is not the first time. Absolutely, Absolutely not. Yeah, this is an escalation. I agree. So Cynthia is acquitted, and she actually passed away in two thousand five. Lane has been in, was sent to the correctional facility in Wyndham. He's been there since. He was treated for psychosis during his imprisonment, and this is where things get muddy. As mentioned at the beginning of the, this story, Lane was unable to file for an appeal due to his mental state while in jail, and some sources claim it was due to the drugs that were being administered by the correctional facility. He has a history of mental illness, which he has documented in his 36-page appeal. There was also a mention of... Him being what was called, he was an at-home quote-unquote blue baby, which means when he was born, he wasn't necessarily responsive, but because he wasn't born at the hospital, what they would do is they would put the baby in the oven. What? They'd put the baby in the oven, crack the, the, the door open, and like they would set it up so that way the baby could remain warm. Okay. Just because they had no other equipment to deal right. with this issue. So this is the only detail that I personally have of John Lane's childhood. Because mm-hmm. I haven't read the book. But I'm sitting here and I'm like, hmm. 
this seems like maybe he did not have a conventional childhood. No, I don't think he did. Um, obviously he didn't. No, absolutely not. So I'm not going to fight the fact that he has a history of mental illness. Yeah. He probably has a history of some weird, if not child abuse, weird shit happening. Yeah, for sure. In his family. I was kind of curious, like, so would you think that he is drawing some kind of, like, connection between his birth, being a blue baby, being put in an oven, and then also trying to throw, well, killing... A child in the oven. A child in the oven to exercise the child. I'm not making claims, but I kind of came to a similar conclusion as the Twin City Times, which is, huh, that's interesting. You know what also, this is a weird thought that I have in my head right now. Yeah? Why is it always for like a, a possession or somebody like believing there's a possession, um... Uh-huh. I think there's more than one instance of somebody claiming that Lucifer is possessing someone or is possessing them. Yeah. I think Lucifer's got a lot of other things to deal with, right? You know. Yeah, he's going to send someone like Osmodius to take he's care gonna, of He's kidding. like going to send Osmodius, his second guy, maybe Beelzebub, you know, low-rung, low-rung individuals. The big man's got a lot of paperwork to deal with, I'm sure. I'm, uh, yeah, the amount of people going into hell every day, he's got a, there, it has to be, like, running. so, run a tight ship, man. Mm-hmm, yeah, running, You know, uh, heaven has St. Peter, Lucifer just does, he doesn't have a secretary, he does it all himself. Yeah, eternal punishment is a hell of a business. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting, and especially since, I don't know if you saw the... Have you ever seen any of the Conjuring movies? Yeah, I have seen the Conjuring so The movies. new one is The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh, that's the new Conjuring, actual Conjuring movie? like Yeah, the new Conjuring movie okay. is The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. And it, okay. it follows a real life case where a guy, he murdered his landlord, I believe, mm-hmm. or his girlfriend's landlord. And he is claiming that he was possessed by the devil. Mm, no. <laughs> and brought that into, which it's a lot more complicated than the movie makes it out to be. And also, I have mixed feelings about the Conjuring movies because I really do not like the Warrens. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. We'll get into that another time, maybe on a ghost hunting episode. But it is, it is interesting because it is like the devil. It is Lucifer. Like, he is the one. Yep. I agree with you. He's got better shit to do. A lot of than better things to do. Possessing a four-year-old or possess, possessing this guy to murder his landlord, or you know, we've seen. Uh, also, the other one I think of is I think it was in Germany. Her name was Annalise, and she ended up dying because what was probably a mental illness they said was a possession. And again, why? What is the point of possessing children? <laughs> Children don't have power. <laughs> well, if, it, if you're you... just doing it to fuck up a kid, like well, why? Well, if you're uh, if you believe in the pet cemetery like 1980 <laughs> version, you know it's like yeah, you can make a super jacked child murderer. You had to fight off the little uh, gauge there. Okay, the <laughs> but to be fair, how long? How long did it take? Lewis to fight Gage no in that movie. <laughs> it didn't take long. But it still. It was not even two minutes. Almost got him. No fear. No fear. No fear. And the only reason why Judd, Judd's an old man. <laughs> so that's probably why he got murked so quickly. And then the, oh, what's her name? Why can't I remember her name? The mom. Anyway, the mom was like, this is my baby, yeah, hug, yeah. <laughs> and he stabby stabbied. When, yeah, anyway. Also, yeah, no, it's like, okay, Satan's got better things to do. Yep. Long Run story in, short, Satan has hell. better things to do. Uh, I mean, that's also... Unless it's dealing with fiddle players in Georgia, then he's willing <laughs> to walk out the door for that. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. That's his. That's what he does on the weekends. He's got to unwind somehow. Somehow. I'm going to bet against these fiddle players. (laughs) The Portland attorney that represented Lane in 1985 was Tom Connolly, or at least 
I think it was Tom Connolly, because the Sun Journal interviews him and they talk about him as if he was the one that represented him, but they do not actually say, and I cannot find his name anywhere else, but this is the narrative that I'm going with. <laughs> so, Tom Connolly tells the Sun Journal, no question he had been in a very, very bad mental state for a long period of time. My understanding is that he had not had a treatment program that was effective and then a series of psychotropic medications that were provided to him and those medications were effective, belying the state saying that he was not psychotic and that he was just bad. So I think at the, at the time of the trial, he probably was on medications that made him seem more mentally sound than he had been prior Right. So the state was able to say, no, he's competent. Because mm. this happened in 84. Trial doesn't happen until 85. A There's lot a of stuff happened. a good period of time yes. where he's receiving some kind of treatment. Also probably, probably getting some sort of help, I would assume, in between that time. Aside from just medication. I'm not sure. They only mentioned the medication. Hmm. Okay. So I also am not sure... If it's, if they're saying, cause they say it's psychosis. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what, what they have determined that he has. Right. Because again, the state's case is he's just, he's a bad person. He murdered this four year old. Right. In a horrific way. And that's why he's convicted. It's because the state wins this argument that he's not insane. In terms of inefficient counsel, in the document that he set for his appeal, Lane claimed that because Connolly knew about his persistent mental illness, that he failed in his duty to continue pursuing appeals despite the fact that Lane was not competent, competent enough to ask for it. So, yeah. his, so yeah. his thing is, yes, I was continually drugged. I was in a, basically in a stupor. I was incom I was not able to ask for what I needed and Connolly does say at one point he was he's like I'm surprised that he's not pursuing appeals that's also we talked about this previously in the Black Bear Inn episode where the individual wasn't pursuing any insanity pleas or any appeals like he wasn't really building a case up for himself or mm -hmm. giving his defense really any ammunition to work with yep all he did was just kind of go along with the trial and he pled guilty and just went to prison. But he obviously had something going on and we were mm -hmm. talking about, yeah, if a person is, it's the catch-22 of this situation. If a person truly is incompetent or cannot stand trial, how are they even able to ask for that? Right. And so that's what he's arguing. Is he's So Lane is arguing that Connolly knew about the mental illness. Right. Because that was part of their case, was mm -hmm. that he is mentally ill and is going through psychosis and is not well. Mm -hmm. So his argument is, because Connolly knew that, Connolly should have been making decisions on behalf of Lane. But this is what Connolly says. There is no legal requirement that counsel provide post-conviction review to a defendant. It is a good issue... But I don't think that dog will hunt. <laughs> you want to fill out my performance review? I know I lost your case. <laughs> <laughs> Zero stars. Zero Went stars. to jail. <laughs> Went to jail. Zero stars. Epstein also disagrees with the claim of ineffective counsel. He says, from my perspective, he got excellent representation. He got a very fair, tri fair trial. Well, and if Epstein disagrees with something, you better listen. This is the guy who wrote the book. I know. Yeah. I see. <laughs> um, I was going to make an Epstein joke earlier, but I thought it was low-hanging fruit. That's the thing. It is low-hanging fruit. I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll find it. <laughs> I'll get there one day. I'll find all these little berries on the ground. <laughs> so we have... People dis are disagreeing, and I said I said before, there are a lot the people who were sort of around him, his neighbors, they are thinking he should not be let out. Mm -hmm. He's guilty. And did he have an effect? Did he have an effect? In your mind, what do you think? Do you think it, 
since it is not required that the lawyer can or the attorney continue to this post-conviction process of appeals without the <clears throat> without the instruction of said convicted person is that ineffective counsel no like you got to ask for help if you want help and also you know what convictions happened we're we're past that i really do think that you know connelly i don't know what his opinion is of lane but like i am sure there are a lot of lawyers that have clients where they're just like man fuck this guy (laughs) i mean he he from what it seems he's just kind of lane's just another client really is how it appeared in this interview yeah he's got to be because yeah he's like he was in a he had a very you know he was in a bad state he was experiencing psychosis he it seems like he is getting help now he's like it seems like he's in a better way because he has filed this appeal which means that he probably he was competent enough a to be like oh i have to do this and b he found another attorney who was willing to help him and upon looking at this document Connolly did say it's very well done very well put together I mean enough that it's worth looking at Mm -hmm. and he has this opportunity so yeah Connolly's just kind of very level-headed about it and is like he brings up some good points but there's also like I didn't do anything that would totally merit this mm-hmm. like he you know lane is saying you should have done this Connolly is arguing i'm not legally obligated to do that <laughs> well i mean Connolly is yeah i mean he's a lawyer this is his profession he's gonna yeah. cover his ass you know in whatever way and so if mm-hmm. somebody's calling him out and said that you didn't provide me with good enough counsel he's like nope i did i did what i needed to do and i exactly you know, performed my duties to the to the letter right now and the main judicial supreme court like i said they dismissed the appeal they agreed that he had effective counsel and with magistrate nivison saying no we need to to take a better look at this before we just dismiss it he's mm-hmm. just saying that he gets a new trial he's saying this he you know he should maybe have it i recommend that he has a new trial mm-hmm. it's not a definitive oh we're gonna you know expunge his record we're gonna clear the you know clear the conviction whatever it's just yeah maybe the guy we should look at this and maybe he deserves a new trial think... because of because of the extenuating circumstances of his mental health mm-hmm. it's not like anybody is saying he's not guilty Right. None of these legal professionals are saying he's not guilty. What they're saying is, good argument, let's talk about it further. <laughs> Which, 30 years had passed since his conviction by the time he's able to actually file this appeal. And he's able to do it because of a 1996 federal statute. Statute? A That's statute. Yeah. A statute. That's the, I, I can't read, I can't pronounce things. <laughs> Anyway, so that's the only reason he's able to actually file his appeal at this point in time is because of this one little thing. <laughs> well, I think at the very least, if he's not receiving the help that he needs, he probably should. Like, obviously, he's unwell. Oh, um, he's completely unwell. But also, it's like, no, I don't. I, I He needs to go. This is not something that you just easily recover from killing your a child in the oven. No, nope. you gotta. There's a lot you to don't. work out, but I do think that he needs help. Also, I would like to point out, he he files this in 2015, and mm. that's the last thing. That's the last piece of news on this. Yeah, shit. So, well, so it's probably it, not getting know, any oh, new uh, movement there. Yeah, because it was the the main judicial Supreme Court had, I think, like two weeks to file a rebuttal, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that they did because nobody reported. It just sort of just fell flat. This, this disappeared afterwards. Uh, I'm sure that if they were like going to go to trial again, this would have been all over the news. So at the same time, 
is his appeal just stuck in the appeals process? Will we in a few years see that, yes, he has granted a new trial? I don't know. Well, they did send the appeal to Satan and he hasn't gotten back to it. He's got a lot of other things. He's got a lot of other things to do, man. (laughs) He has to come and he's a witness. He, if he was inside that little girl, he was a witness, right? Yeah, totally. 10 out of 10. Hey man, I didn't touch her. It wasn't it was me. me. <laughs> you might want to go ask Belzebub. I don't know. Oh, that sounds like something Billeth would do. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the, the, the feared demon Billeth. Billeth. <laughs> oh, so, he's still in... He's still in Wyndham in the correctional facility. And... Like I said, Cynthia passed away in 2005. I don't, I also don't know what happened to Sarah. She was so young. She was probably, she's probably been protected from a lot of this. Mm-hmm. She's an adult now. Yeah. But I. But obviously a very horrific thing to have witnessed in your formative years. You said she was five years old. Yeah, she's five years old. And so Cynthia's drugged. There's also no mention of Sarah being drugged. No. So, I mean, there's nothing Sarah could have done, and that's probably why he was like, there's no need to. Right. To deal with, you know, the child. Exactly. And if this is something that happens often, children are often, they know what to do to protect themselves, and so she may have hid, or, you know, she's like, the attention is on Angela right now, so I have to beha- behave, quote unquote, in order to make sure I don't end up like Sarah. Mm-hmm. No, not Sarah. Uh, Angela. Yeah. It's, I highly recommend if you're interested in this case, reading Lucifer's Child. It is much, it, it has about 20 chapters. It's very detailed. And... I probably will give it a read eventually. It's something that it's like on my list because I do like reading true crime books, but also at the same time, it's very hard to sit with a case for an extended period of time like that. <laughs> but if you're interested, there is that. That is the story of John Lane. Thanks for this terrible story. You're appreciate so it. You're so welcome. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I. Oof, yeah, the other one that I'm researching is also going to be terrible. So Well, you're also putting if your a name lot is, of time into it. If your name is John Lane, change it. I gotta, <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, like, when you said the name John Lane, I was like, oh, that sounds like a murderer. If I meet a man in the just named John Lane, it's yeah. like, oh, I am about to die. Yeah. John Lane, Joseph Smith, Jeffrey Epstein. A lot of these J names, actually, I realize. Usually a lot of people point out the fact that um, it's also people that have more than one first name. Mm. And I mean that, like, John Jeffrey. Oh, okay. John Jacob Jeffrey would be a good... That's just me making it up, also sticking with the Js. But you know what I mean? Yeah, when you're stuck with two first names, you just don't know what to do with yourself. Exactly. (laughs) It happens a lot where it's like, oh, okay. Their name, you're like, oh, yeah, how did you not know? (laughs) What would be a better name than John Lane? What do you think would have subverted this catastrophe? John, so if if we're stuck with the name Lane... Yeah, yeah. Sebastian. Sebastian Sebastian Lane. Lane. That's a nice name, you know. Andrew. Andrew Lane. <laughs> I don't know why that makes um, me laugh, but yeah, there you go. Alexander Lane. Alexander Lane, you know, that's just, now that's a, oh, Alexander Lane. Wow, oh. that's a distinguished individual wow. right there. Oh, is that a senator? <laughs> Living in a six-unit apartment building in Auburn. <laughs> Representative Lane. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's. It's a shitty story. Yeah. Uh, but again, I these things are also important, and I, I kind of and it's a little. I wish that I had more information about the victims in this instance because again, I don't like. It's like sometimes when you focus on the murderer, the perpetrator, you give them more something or other. But it's also like the story needs to be told because mm-hmm. this is a story of child abuse. It is a story of domestic abuse. No matter how small your town is, no matter how small your uh, metropolitan area is, it's 
probably happening. It'd be used a lot of big quotation marks for metropolitan well, area. area. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, it's a lot of people are like, well, it doesn't happen here. It happens everywhere. Long story short, it happens everywhere. Yep. Well, and it's, some of these cases come forward and we have to talk about them because then hopefully it will help the ones that don't get talked about. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, I think that's like why this got so much traction. Probably is related to like the 24 hours news cycle and this being uh, with with such a small, small city, mm-hmm. you know. This has a lot of traction and it is horrific. So like, oh, like absolutely, people's eyeballs makes sense mm-hmm. for the time. <sighs> I feel like I need to like I don't know go take a bath or something. Yeah, <laughs> go cool down. Go cool down. <laughs> Do you have a mainism? Hey, hey, it's a mainism. Uh, yeah. Oh, you do. Okay. I do have a mainism. Yeah. I got something that's, well, maybe not necessarily a mainism, but a mainerism. Okay. It's like a mannerism, but a mainerism, you know? <laughs> I like that. So, yeah, kind of like thank you loop situation. That uh-huh. was a more of a manner, mannerism, I think. But anyway, so this is just some, this might like also translate to some of New England, but I think that this is a pretty, uh, pretty quintessential manner trait I've noticed. Okay. The resourcefulness of the people here, you know, <laughs> uh, and uh, I say that all—it's it, partly its resourcefulness slash stubbornness, you know, and I've seen it happen. Now it's getting colder. Yeah, everybody's getting their winter coats out, and they're doing what they can to not only stay warm, but also like you know fix up their apartments or homes, salt everything, and mm-hmm. just like maintain the winter. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, L.L. Bean's the big brand out here, but I don't think I really see many people walking around with an L.L. Bean brand new jacket. I think people are still kind of wearing their great-grandfather's old winter parka that they fished out of the back of the closet like or 30 they're years wearing, ago. Or they're wearing their uh, 1985 L.L. Bean jacket. Exactly, and it's got a big old, like, duct tape on the uh-huh. arm you know and it's just like ah, I this mean, works perfectly fine i mean my pair of bean boots that i have allegra's parents gave to me and i think they are from the early 90s oh yeah and yeah. they treat me very well oh there you go yeah mm-hmm. still good tread on there probably absolutely <laughs> so that's just good quality right there but i'm talking about like people just kind of just throw on whatever it doesn't need to be like the specific gear no. thing they're just fine with like Going out in like their basic hoodie with a you know jacket over that, calling it a day. They don't need to like put on the uh, ultra reflective. No, I will tell gear, you when you know? I went to USM, there were gear. dudes walking around in shorts in oh. the middle of winter. Well, I mean that's just a that's just a stupid bro college thing. <laughs> I, I go to go to any college in the middle of winter, and there's going to be one weirdo walking around with you know flip flops and shorts in the middle of. Uh, like negative 10 degree weather yes so but i agree with you in the sense where like a lot of times you have your mud room and you're like ah just whatever whatever works it's not oh these are my good gloves these are my it's like whatever is right in front of me because i have to go and salt my driveway i also think it's sort of like um kind of interesting too because i think that the resourcefulness and stubbornness aspect also translate into like a not really having a desire to have the perfect thing for the job yeah and i've noticed that i lived out west for a bit and what i had noticed when i went out west which was kind of weird to me is like i'm very used to going out being on the east coast going out hiking in just whatever the fuck i'm wearing right at that moment like i don't care what i'm wearing Mm -hmm. i'm wearing jeans people don't like hiking in jeans or whatever i'm wearing khakis who gives a shit i'm gonna go hiking now for like you know six miles i love that we're back to hiking oh yeah it's the (laughs) the favorite activity uh this is the hiking podcast welcome homegrown hiking homegrown hiking uh but like over on the west coast i remember going hiking a lot and more, you know, you always, you do see people like overly prepared, but I feel like so many people in the Northwest 
They'll be going like on a two mile hike and they'll have the hiking poles, reflective vests, the special leggings, the the perfect like tight hat mm-hmm. to wear and like a backpack just just for the two mile hike. I will hike. say we do own hiking poles. A lot of people here have hiking poles, mostly because a lot of our, I mean, Maine is a very old state, mm-hmm. and we own a hiking pole because Allegra is pigeon-toed. Yeah, no, but I'm talking, like, about people in their 30s, 20s, <laughs> like, with hiking poles, I'm and saying, I'm just like, I'm, but right. I'm just, in defense of hiking poles, they are great, and you will end up hurting yourself less if you are inclined to hurt yourself on a hike. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> in defense of hiking poles... But Fuck I get poles. what you're saying. Fuck your poles, don't need them. I get yeah. what you're saying. Is they get in the way like... of me shambling up I rocks. Do... <laughs> like Gollum. <laughs> I do. That is that is the only way to hike. Is up the... But yes, I get what you're saying. Is yeah. there In Maine, we don't need to have all this specialized stuff. No. If it does the job, it does the job. Exactly. And that's what I wanted to convey. And I think the nimby pimpies in the Northwest need to slow their roll. I will say, yeah, because we do have, <laughs> well, we used to have a couple different shovels. I don't know where they all are uh, because they get buried in the snow and then they're gone by the time the snow <laughs> comes back. <laughs> they but belong to had, the earth now. But we had like an ergonomic shovel what and it has like this bend in it and whatever we never used it because it's so fucking awful (laughs) it doesn't work but it's supposed to be like it's ergonomic it's better for you it doesn't fucking work how often are you using that shovel also you're not a construction worker i mean you don't need the ergonomic one no it doesn't it does not do the job not as much as just our little wooden handle shallow snow shovel like it's fine oh it's snow shovel okay gotcha. that's what i'm talking about okay, i okay. should have been more specific i thought you were talking about the shovel and you were saying the wooden hand and shovel i was like oh no i broke that <laughs> <laughs> no different one i snapped that in half no, i'm talking about the snow shovels <laughs> gotcha <laughs> yes okay. makes sense makes oh i know what you're talking about then i've seen i've seen those snow shovels before and yeah, i just think they they're fucking kind of awful insane. like yes ergonomics are great like but at the same time, there's a part of me that's like ergonomics are great, but also my like for like example, ergonomics are great for like your posture and blah blah blah. I'm like my posture's already shit. Like so it hurts <laughs> when I try and be ergonomically correct. So um, yes, I understand that we're trying to save me from more back hunching, but I'm already hunched. So uh, stop hurting me. Yeah, just but... bring your poles out when you shovel next time. <laughs> I need both hands, Jackson. <laughs> Use your teeth. <laughs> I completely understand what you're saying in in that regard. You don't need to go get the fancy thing that's like, this is specialized for this thing. Don't. Just whatever you have, go for it. Yep. Don't, don't be intimidated by hobbyists and their ridiculous barriers to force you to, you know, have the right thing. And the hiking pole situation... Any good stick on the side of the trail is just as Actually, nice. my grandmother does just have a, a, stick, a stick. And it yeah. works just as well. Yeah. I like having a stick on the trail. It makes me feel like a wizard and I hobble <laughs> around like an old man. <laughs> as long as you are not jerry-rigging, oh, I don't know, jerry-rigging your oven to be a generator, I think you're fine to be resourceful. Do people do that? We did Jerry rig a generator a couple years ago, but uh, okay. I did. I was not involved, okay. um, so I don't know exactly what happened or what it looked like. But it worked. <laughs> no, don't do anything dangerous. But resourcefulness is not a problem. You don't yeah. like again. Jackson said, "Don't let barriers get you down." Yeah, don't let them get you down. Also, I'm just. I, I do like a, a mentality of a population just be like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I'm just, I got this. This is fine. Eh? <laughs> eh? The one thing that I do have that I do recommend, besides hiking poles, uh, that is oddly specific is um, crampons. What's a crampon? A crampon is, um, they're also called Yak Tracks, is okay. the brand name. I also have a pair that's different. They're just like, it just goes around the middle of your shoe and it has spikes in it. So the idea is it prevents you from slipping on the ice. Oh, yeah. 
I recommend getting a pair of those, especially in Portland, because those cobblestone streets are an ice rink. But I got a pair of golf shoes that work just fine. Yeah, that's fine. If you have that, go for it. But I don't golf. <laughs> I'm not an old white man that has the ability to do that. Um, I am an old white man. <laughs> I actually steal other people's youth to stay this young looking. Oh! Yes, I'm 200 years old. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, Rip Ren Winkle. <laughs> but yes, I highly recommend, like, just be a little, be a arctic explorer and get yourself some cleats i guess ice cleats that's what they're called but yeah they're when they're the technical term is crampon and then the brand name is yak track very cool yeah highly recommend those because again i don't like dying on ice or save your money (laughs) and die on the ice (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> save your money actually i have a really funny ice story that i just want to tell really quick so yeah one time my uh, so my sister was very sick uh when she i want to say that she was like in the fourth fourth or fifth grade and so my mom my dad and i and my sister i went with them to i sat in the back with her to like help her because she was so sick like violently sick and on the way back from the doctor's office we go to pick up her prescription hannaford does not take care of their their parking lot like at all at all so my sister is sitting in the car and i'm just like trying to help her and my parents they are coming out with her medicine and just so everyone knows my dad is like this big i want to say he's like six foot two like he's big guy and he just slips and goes down Ooh! oh no so then my mom who's like five two tiny little thing is trying to help him up and she slips and falls down of course that's what's gonna happen (laughs) so then my dad like starts to get up and he slips again so they're just like doing yes so they're just doing this slipping thing and my sister who's so sick I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, I can't go help them. And nobody's helping. Like, people are just walking by, like, watching them. And, like, snow is coming down. And my sister's crying. If I was in that situation, I would have stopped and just watched. My (laughs) Jamie is in the car just crying. She's like, nobody's helping them. Why isn't anyone helping them? And my parents, like, clown their way back to the car. (laughs) You know, if you're just slipping all the time, I think there's a point where you just swallow your pride and just butt scooch over to the car at that point. (laughs) But yeah, uh, there was just so much ice underneath the snow. Like, they just hit this patch and that was the end. But it's funny, like, when, you know, even a few hours later, once we finally got to, I think we went to my Meme and Pepe's, actually. Yeah. And we were talking, and, you know, my they thought it was funny. It's one of those things where it's funny afterwards, and you're laughing so hard, you're like, oh, my bruise. <laughs> <laughs> I just like your mom coming in there and just like, oh, I'm going to save gonna the day here. Nope. This is fine. <laughs> you cannot lift the... Uh, 250 plus pound man. <laughs> no, doesn't. No. It's not happening. RIP. It's not that. happening. But yeah, yeah, it was. It's hard because it was funny, but also, like, I was dealing with. My sister was just so. So upset. <laughs> I think she was more upset than my parents were. Like, they obviously were like, yeah, no one was going to help us. But she was like, why aren't they helping them? <laughs> I love that Which, story. that's a lot funnier than, like, you know, sliding down the stairs or something like that. No. Everybody no, no. has a bad ice story and everybody has a funny ice story. Yeah, yeah, true. I think my bad ice story was... It was kind of funny, actually, but it hurt real bad. <laughs> um, I remember I was holding, like, a tray of, like, cooked lobster meat. Um, Is this in Maine? This was in Maine, actually. <laughs> And uh, I was holding a tray of like cooked lobster meat. And uh-huh. we, were, we were going to some party. This was with an ex. And uh, I'm going outside. It's kind of, it's it was snowing. It's icy out. I was going outside to the wooden back porch. My heel hits the porch. And 
my body goes sideways. <laughs> oh, I no. I become I become horizontal and my ass, my back just smashes against the the hard wood. Oh. And I'm just frozen like oh because I feel like that really fucked up my back really badly. Uh, I have a hard time walking after that for like a whole day actually. Yeah. But what was funny to me was that I I didn't drop the lobster plate at all. I saved the lobster. And like instinctively as I got flipped in the air, I like positioned the lobster tray to fall horizontally (laughs) with me so I wouldn't spill it. (laughs) I have an asterisk question. Um, Was your ex from Maine? No, just Rich. Okay, I was going to say, do you have a thing for Maine Maine girls? I'm not going to comment on that. (laughs) But there is an, a very strange concentration of women that I have dated that have an affiliation with Maine. And I do know, not know why. You were always meant to be a Mainer. I guess so. It was going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you. Yep. No. These, Regardless of your, my how, destiny how has you're been completed. affiliated, <laughs> you're here. I have now become integrated into the society. You're stuck with me. Yeah, and hopefully you do not have another ice story. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I hope so. I hope not. I, I'm sure it'll be fine. I was actually do you talking about... Do you have to do your own shoveling? Or are they going to... Oh, they'll they... shovel for us. Beautiful. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's not going to be an issue. So uh, They'll also like clear the um, parking lot out for us, but we, Here, have, yeah, we have to do fun. the same thing as you guys do. We have to like clear our cars out. And wait for them to show up, I guess. So I don't know. I'll probably park yeah. at a church or something nearby and uh, let that happen. You know, I don't know where the hell I'm going to put my car. This is the sound of screaming children. I thought that was a dog. Is there a dog outside? No, that is just a, like four children playing outside. Are you upset by the children? I was just hoping I was a dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do we want to leave them with today? Um, don't bother Satan with your bullshit. Yeah, let's, yeah, let, don't bother Satan with He's got bullshit. other things to do, guys, alright? He's, you know, tempting humanity, uh, collecting souls, and doling out eternal punishment. He's too busy for your bullshit. Yeah, no, he's not gonna come over, possess your daughter, or anything like that. He's got, he's got way too many things to sign. Yeah. Blame it on somebody else. <laughs> and, uh, you know... Do what you can this winter to yeah. not freeze. <laughs> yeah. Stay warm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We haven't had any snow yet. Hopefully it holds off a little bit, but then it's scarier when it does because then it's going to hit so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's already warming. But today. wherever you are, stay warm, stay safe, and again, don't fucking bother Satan. <laughs> Thank you, homies. Thank you. Bye. Bye. homies thank you for listening to our episode this week my sources are wikipedia the twin city times wmtw abc upi archives the bangor daily news the sun journal the daily mail and apartments.com You can reach out to us on our Twitter at HGHPod or on our Instagram at HomegrownHorrorPod. We hope to see you again soon.